Hi and welcome to episode 65 of Walk to Work. Today we're going to talk about safer spaces, but before we get into that, um, Jess and I has uh, promised and threatened our starting weekly on da- online blues dance classes. So this is going to be happening Thursdays, starting Thursday, October 3rd, from 8 to 9 p.m. Central European time, or 7 to 8 p.m. UK time, or whatever that is in your time zone. Um, so these are classes that are pretty much like your regular weekly classes you would go to, except they happen online. So we're not going to be publishing videos. Uh, you can't sign up for a whole curriculum of it. You can just turn up to class uh, at the same time we're turning up uh, and uh, join in with everybody else. So we're a little bit scared and feeling a little bit brave uh, publishing this and sharing this with everybody. Uh, If you're interested, let us know. Uh, You can find the event on Facebook uh, by looking for online weekly blues classes. You can also look for Jess and Greg on Facebook and like our page. And, and, and... If you don't use Facebook, you can email us jessandgregdance at gmail.com. So today is going to be my first uh, foray into talking about safer spaces, Um, which given how much effort I put into this kind of work um, on a weekly basis and going back several years now, uh, it's kind of surprising that I haven't actually uh, talked about it until now and I was kind of trying to get my thoughts together. I realized, oh, this is actually quite complex and I could go on for hours and hours. And like, how do, how do I separate this up? Um, and how do I adequately talk about it without, uh, without, without missing some of the complexities, uh, without coming up as overly preachy or pompous or as if I've understood everything about it? Uh, and I think that's also a thing I like really haven't um, and feel like I have a lot to learn but also feel quite defensive um, about the things I already do because it, well it, it's it's difficult and it's a little bit controversial um, and there's large wide opportunities to mess up uh and I've uh, I've I've done uh, quite a few of the mess ups. Um, like uh, I have taken what was uh, intended and uh, understood by both of us as a safety report by someone who told me that they had um, profound concerns about a specific person that um, they felt uncomfortable. Uh, being in their presence at a dance um, and my mind kind of immediately went to oh this person is quite well liked uh, and seems to be quite accepted and I haven't seen anything that cause, that's a cause for concern locally uh, and instead of kind of keeping that those thoughts to myself because that wasn't the priority at that time I'm like jumping straight in and saying that to this person who's just reported uh, that uh, the the person who had harassed them uh, in the past. Uh, so that wasn't one of my best moments. Uh, more recently I was talking uh, to someone about their... Um, 
um, to a, I was talking to a, a female presenting person um, about uh, their appearance uh, as a safer spaces person. I uh, I was talking in a safer spaces capacity, um, and I didn't adequately acknowledge to myself and to them that a dude person telling a woman person um, that their appearance was uh, possibly not okay ha- is fraught with its own problems and can't just uh, exist in a vacuum. So yeah, uh, starting off with kind of very definite failings on my part. Uh, first thing I ought to do is kind of go over a sort of an overview of why I think uh, the dance community, dance communities, uh, need safer spaces uh, work to be done uh, and kind of discuss uh, an overview of what forms uh, that safer spaces work can be. So, uh, overall in society, uh, we have um, axes of privilege and oppression. And these are structural parts of society. This is how society is structured. It's structured in such a way that there is a a hierarchy uh, that people find themselves forced to navigate. Um, And that hierarchy disadvantages uh, certain people. It will uh, uh, disadvantage people of colour. It will disadvantage... Uh, women, it will disadvantage trans folk, it will disadvantage um, young people, it will disadvantage um, neurodivergent people, it will disadvantage disabled people. And these these aren't um, inherently disadvantaged classes. They only exist as disadvantaged classes because, um, and, and the list goes on, I'm not saying it's exhaustive, uh, they exist as disadvantaged classes because of the structures that we're given to in society. And we don't escape those structures um, just by coming into a dance space. Uh, and we don't expect they escape those structures because, just because we say, oh, the, those structures don't make sense to me. Um, and then in, in general, uh, we have, because of these structures and because of other things, um, we're not very good at knowing how to interact with people who are not like us. Uh, and so sometimes people are not like us because they live different experiences within the power structures of society. Uh, and there's an extent to which, um, and I know that there's discussion about this, but my perspective is an extent to which you literally cannot step into other people's shoes. You can only try to. And the more your lived experience uh, does not afford you that recognition of what it's like to exist at a different place within the power structure, the the more empathy is needed and the more that gap is difficult to bridge. Uh, And the solution to that, from my perspective, is to work hard at bridging it, uh, but also to work hard at uh, acknowledging it. and I, I, I kind of hedge this from my perspective, like this is not my ideas, these are ideas that I've borrowed and uh, evaluated and adopted as my own. Um, but this, this, is, this is not new uh, ideas. 
uh, but just those that uh, stating my assumptions uh, up front. Um, and so that means also that we're used to, well, put simply, I think we're used to the idea of the golden rule. Do unto others uh, as you would like them to do to you. Um, but that one kind of misses this empathy gap and misses that people um, are different, both uh, kind of structurally, culturally, uh, and uh, individually. Um, and so, for me, a large part of the work is kind of introducing the platinum rule. Uh, the platinum rule being uh, do unto others as they would have you do unto them. Uh, and the kind of gap that's missing from uh, normal society is that curiosity of how would you like me to do unto you? Um, and then there's the, 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 the capacity for that. Uh, like we cannot go into the exact detail of how someone would like to be interacted with because um, sort of the, the cost of infinite precision is infinite verbosity. And so we could spend our whole time before dancing negotiating exactly how we would like that dance to go down. Uh, and people like to point out how ridiculous that would be. But if you flip it, if it was possible, like, wouldn't that be nice? Um, and, and this goes into other slippery bits. So there's sort of the idea, oh, um, may I kiss you? That's not a, a sexy thing. Uh, according to certain people in certain cultures. You should just kind of do the two heads approaching each other dance and possibly the dude type person in the pair, uh, assuming there is one, is more manly and therefore has no doubt and then kind of goes in for uh, the kiss more confidently than maybe they feel because lack of confidence that a kiss is mutually desired is not sexy. Um, and so one, one, it's one thing to, to, to lack confidence, to think, oh, I'm not kissable, uh, or most people would not want to kiss me. Um, but it's another to uh, think that somehow an unspoken kiss has better qualities than a spoken kiss. Um, not that uh, consent has to be spoken, but that, that's kind of the, 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 the range of things that we exist within uh, is, well, some people would prefer verbal consent for a kiss, some people would prefer clear nonverbal consent, and other people would like to be swept off their feet with certain other caveats. It's a, it's a, it's a challenging one, and kind of platinum rules uh, seem to, to, seems to apply there as well. So... Um, we have this world where the golden rule, the platinum rule, even the golden rule isn't necessarily applied and the platinum rule uh, is not even something that people consider um, important slash feasible. I'm not quite sure why that, uh, I mean, yeah, we just went into why that might be, why they might not consider it feasible uh, and maybe it feels scary and risky and different so you're also going to rationalize through it's not feasible being like it's not important or rationalize it's not being important through its lack of being feasible. And then uh, combine that with a world with uh, existing power structures, which means that um, 
some people's boundaries are more vulnerable in certain uh, relationships. So, um, typically if we have uh, some kind of power structure uh, where men um, tend to get violent when people say no to them, women are more likely to only say no if they feel it's really important for them to say no. And if they're just slightly uncomfortable, well, maybe they'll say yes. Uh, or maybe men will get away with not asking um, a question that uh, gets a yes-no answer and will just assume that a thing is okay uh, unless um, someone says, oh, actually, no, stop doing this thing. Um, and then we have these structures that mean that actually asserting that and saying, hey, you at the moment seem to be holding me very close on this dance space. I don't like that. Could you back off a little bit? Um, it's a difficult thing to say and it's, a, it's potentially a dangerous thing to say because person has already clearly not shown respect for your boundaries uh, in at least acquire, inquiring if that uh, closeness is desired. So why would they... Um, why, why would you expect them to continue to respect your boundaries, continue to respect your physical autonomy uh, and psychological autonomy if you say no to them? Like, are they going to fly off the handle? Are they going to hit you? Are they going to badmouth you behind your back? Like, there's, there's a bunch of risks um, inherent uh, because of various power structures and also just because of the, the, the inherent the nature of human beings, I guess. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the double thing uh, that I think um, means that I would want to change the world for the better, to make that kind of thing better so that people are able to um, be involved in interactions that they uh, have consented to. Um, have it so that the power structures of the world do not impact their ability to consent and seek consent. Um, and also so that we can um, not just acknowledge the power structures in the world and be like, oh, that's terrible, let's take this into account, but also through acknowledging them, uh, work towards changing them insofar as it's possible. Um, I'm not sure to what extent it's possible through dance spaces to do this. But that's why also even outside of dance spaces, uh, I tend to kind of carry the torch high uh, for consent, um, for um, being aware of our privilege, um, and for making sure that um, I look at the structural impact or the structural conditions of a given interaction that I'm engaged in. And I want to bring that to dance spaces. Um, when looking at dance spaces more specifically, why, I mean, why we would want to care about this, one approach could be, well, society's kind of shit, we're not going to change it. Um, we can't change it. I mean, we're not going... If you have 1% of the whole of Edinburgh is dancing, well, you're not going to change the other 99% of Edinburgh uh, just because you have a bee in your bonnet about safer spaces. Uh, that's clearly not going to be um, impactful. Uh, 
but like that's the space that I'm spending a lot of my time in that's the space that I'm willing to welcome a lot of people in that's the space where I am able to have impact uh, towards other people so it seems like a useful space for me um, to, to fly high my ideas about uh, safer spaces uh, and, and consent. Um, so part of this is kind of um, started off for me uh, very sort of genderedly uh, like we had a few years ago. Uh, by the way I'm not actually going to talk about specific uh, people uh, but I will um, mention uh, sexual violence and sexual assault uh, briefly but this is not intended to be a particularly heavy episode regarding that or even a particularly heavy series uh, regarding that. Um, different people, uh, yeah, b b um, uh, listener beware I guess. Uh, I hope I'll, uh, I've set up enough precautions around this. Um, So yeah, I sort of started off thinking of this as gendered. Uh, we had uh, some uh, stories about sexual assault in the Lindy Hop community uh, come forward a few years back. Um, and that was already within a context where people had kind of been thinking uh, about uh, these situations, thinking, oh, what, what can we do? What should we do? Uh, and outside of dance communities, people have been talking about um, missing stairs, for example, uh, the idea that within any community uh, there are a few uh, bad eggs who um, typically might be dudes uh, who are um, inconsiderate, negligent, violent, harassing uh, towards women. Uh, and what happens is uh, women sort of tell each other about um, these dudes. And in the same way that you say, hey, on that staircase, watch out for the fifth stair. Uh, it's actually broken, just don't step on it. And then people who are inside the community know about the stair. And it's just the people who are uh, not central within the community, who are new to the community. Um, maybe someone gets to them and tells them about the missing stair. Or maybe they step on it themselves and hurt themselves. Um, just notice it and think, oh... There's a missing stair. Um, and that's not a fun way of creating communities where people, where you expect a significant number of new people to cycle in and that you want to create a space that is as welcoming to new people as it is to, uh, to, the, to, to the existing members of the community. Um, and then you see within dance communities uh, people leaving because they can no longer deal with uh, certain behaviours that seem to just keep happening, keep happening, keep happening. Uh, or leave certain parts of it. So uh, I have friends within the Battle Folk community, there's a dance called Circassian Circle, which is a mixer, where you dance with everybody else uh, in the circle. Um, and because there isn't a belt baked in uh, and visible option for consent to that and um, because uh, again typically dudes are jerks uh, or some of them um, lots of women just simply don't take part in circassian circles anymore uh, and unless you talk about it people don't even necessarily realize oh you don't just not feel like doing this circassian circle right now you never feel like doing any circassian circle ever um, and so that's not cool 
Um, people also, typically what will happen uh, in extremely bad cases where you can no longer be in the space of your harasser uh, or your assaulter is that the harasser or assaulter continues staying in the dance community um, and the survivor slash victim has no opportunity other recourse than to simply be like oh okay i guess i'll just not turn up anymore and so you have people being forced out of communities uh or having to choose for themselves to opt out because they have no other opportunity um and so that's kind of where it started for me and thinking oh we don't want that happening i would be very sad for my community i'm trying to create a community here i'm putting hours and hours into organizing, into having dance events, into making sure there are classes, making sure people have opportunities to hear about it. Um, I don't want to put all that effort in and find out that despite all that effort, I have missing stairs. I have people who are forced into leaving. Um, I have people who don't fully feel comfortable. Um, that, that didn't sound like the kind of thing I want to put a lot of effort uh, into uh, and also feels very un unfun for the, the people who, who get the, the short end of the stick on that. Um, like dance spaces are vulnerable spaces, they're spaces where I think we can help people change, we can help people become the best versions of themselves uh, and you can't have that vulnerability if the space isn't, doesn't have some kind of inherent safety for you, whatever safety for you means. So I'll stop off there for today um, and next week I'll uh, kind of continue this getting to uh, how I and others came to a more, uh, for want of a better word, intersectional understanding uh, of what safer spaces need. And also kind of aside from the wider structural issues, uh, just look at what uh, specific things go on uh, in dance spaces that means you would want to um, that as an organizer I feel a responsibility uh, for putting in place um, uh, systems that hopefully address uh, safety uh, within the spaces I'm organizing in um, and kind of yeah as a, as a general thing what uh, let me know what makes you feel safe in dance spaces what makes you feel um, unsafe um, Let me know in comments, uh, hit me up if you have thoughts about this, and I will see you next week. Until then, take care.